Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. loved us and you sent your son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin I thank you Jesus for this great salvation the only thing I've contributed to my salvation is my sin but he loves us he's so good so good. He's so good. Some of us have issues today. We're going through it. Don't know how you're going to make it. You're going to make it because Jesus is with you and he's for you. He's not left you nor forsaken you. He's been with you every step of the way. Every prayer that you've prayed, he's heard. given up on you. Don't you give up. He's faithful and true. That's his name. Father, I pray right now for your church that you will move in us. Lord, change the way we think. Lord, some of us came in with thought patterns that resemble the world. Lord, give us a kingdom mind. Give us the mind of Christ that we see with faith, not with our eyes. Lord, that these issues that we're facing, the strongholds that are coming against us, Lord Jesus, that they just crumble. Lord, as we declare what your word says, as we stand on the truth of who you are, Lord, that you keep your word Lord, I just pray for your church this morning that as we, as we transition into a time of worship in your word, that, that it wrecks us, so oh God. Lord, that it convicts us, so oh Lord. Your word, your, your, your word says that, that the, the word of God is alive and active. Lord, that, that it is useful for training, teaching, and rebuking the man of God and the woman of God for good works, for righteousness. Lord, I pray that you do that today. Let us not walk out of here the same way, the same way we walked in. Lord, you, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We don't just need a move of God corporately when we gather. We need a move of God in our hearts, in our minds, that when we walk out of here, Father, we wreck the world and the kingdom of darkness because the kingdom of light is alive in us. Lord Jesus, I pray for a move of your Holy Spirit in us transform us today through your word in the name of Jesus and Lord I pray that my words will be anointed Lord help me to say exactly what you would have me to say no more no less your church doesn't need another message your church doesn't need another song we need you Holy Spirit speak to us today challenge us today 
Reprove us today. Lord, put us in the fire today. We need you, God. Burn off all the things that don't look like you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. You may be seated. You may be seated. Man, I, I don't say this very often because, quite frankly, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself, and I still don't. I struggle with uh, self-confidence, quite frankly, just being real. And, uh, but I think God has a word for us today. I feel it, I feel it. You know, sometimes like I feel it, sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes I feel it in my bones. And today is one of those days where like, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. And I know we don't go by our feelings. We go by God's word is true. Whether I feel it or not, God is good. Whether I feel his goodness or not, he's good. He's faithful. Whether I whether I feel like, but the cool thing is I see it all the time. With that said, we're going to be talking, we're in the middle of a series called What Does That Really Mean? And the, the, the subject that we're going to hit on today, because we've heard it as we walked with Jesus, or you've been in the church world, or you like Toby Mac's post on Facebook, he has a whole hashtag, Speak Life. So we're going to talk about what does it mean to speak life? How many of you guys ever heard the term speak life? Yeah, yeah. And he even has, Toby Mac has a song called Speak Life. And it's like, actually it's quite old. It's like 15 years old. But if you like Caleb, they play it like it came out yesterday. So <laughs> it's like that and God's Not Dead and something from Stephen Curtis Chapman. And they have like, what, four songs of their playlist? Let's be real. And then they ask for money. I'm just, come on. I love Caleb. Caleb's great. I'm just being real. That's just, I mean, it's true. It's true. It's true. But before I get into that, I, I just want to share a few jokes and, 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 uh, because it's good. It's good. Jokes are good. Laughter is medicine for the soul. I couldn't help but laugh, though, when Amy was talking about the taco night. And, you know, she was kind of being tongue-in-cheek to Pastor Andy and she said, you're not invited, essentially. And then she said that uh, we're going to leave your house better than what we found it. I couldn't help but think, you put a bunch of women in a house, they're going to clean it and cook. I mean, like, wow. Yeah, they are going to leave it better. <laughs> you said it. I'm just interpreting. Oh, I know. I know. You know what? Good news. My couch is horribly comfortable. Um, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. There's a lot of things I shouldn't have said. They just, I suffer from a disease, guys. I need you to pray for me. It's called foot and mouth. And, uh, yeah, so. Um, but I actually, these got sent to me last night. I'm going to read them because they're great. And she said, I don't want to hear any more four jokes. I can't make that promise. But uh, I will read these jokes because they're great. So, 
What do you call friends that eat together? Taste buds. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I spent days childproofing my house, but the st- kids still got back in. How does a penguin build its house? It glues it together. Hey, dude, like, he, he's about to be a dad in September, and he's like, wait, like, he's studying up on the dad jokes. Good for you. There's a strong dad anointing upon you, my friend. <laughs> like, it's manifesting. Which days of the week are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday, the rest are weekdays. Oh, come on. It's so silly. It's so silly. Today we're talking about speak life. And I want to share, so I'm going to read a lot of verses. And then we're going to jump into the, the section of scripture that I believe illustrates the verse. So we're going to read some verses about the power of our tongue and the power of our words. And then we're going to jump in to Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43. And I might just tell that story. It's a beautiful story. I would encourage you to read it. And it it illustrates the power of the initial, like the word of God confirms the word of God. So we're going to start with Proverbs 18, 18, 21. And it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue, the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. What we say matters. And those who love it will eat its fruit. A couple years ago, I actually spoke on this very verse, and um, I'm not going to get into it. I'm going I'm to share what, what we discovered. But it's so cool when modern science discovers what a biblical truth and they think it's like cutting edge, but God said it 4,000 years ago. So Ikea, the furniture company, did a study. And they took two plants, put them in their foyer, encapsulated them in plexiglass, and they got the same amount of water, the same amount of plant food, and they got the same amount of daylight every single day. And they were this, like they were cut from the same, the, everything was exactly the same, same type of plant. The only difference was one had a speaker in it that 24-7 for 30 days said, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're, you're growing, you're awesome. And the other one had a speaker that said, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're dumb. And for 30 days it did this. And at the end of the 30 days, the plant that had life spoken to it was bursting at the seam out of this thing. It could, like the, the plexiglass container couldn't hardly contain it, and the other one died. The one that had, and so life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is all over the internet. Like there's little school children that did this study, and they had their their classmates come in and speak life to one plant and death to another for 30 days, and they found the same thing. One grew and one died. Now I see my wife walking around with all her word plants, and she's over there like, oh, you're so beautiful. It's, yeah. And her plants are growing, so it's, it's, yeah. It's true. God's word is true. Our words matter. Here's another interesting fact for you is um, 
Parents, this is why it's so important. Why it's so important. Grandparents, anyone in general, did you know that the human brain responds differently to positive words than negative words? Negative words make a huge impact in the way our brain forms. So if a child hears you're stupid, it takes them hearing you're smart from a source they respect a thousand times to overcome one you're stupid. They have to hear something positive a thousand times to carry on one negative thing spoken over that child. Our words matter. They carry weight. So life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. To the point that it can produce gray matter on your brain. Just by hearing negativity. A couple weeks ago, we talked about our heart and, and what flows out of our heart. We're going to read some of that again. But what we allow in affects what comes out. So we're going to jump down to Matthew 12. And this is Jesus. He said, make, um, make, a, a, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And then he's talking to the Pharisees. And he has really kind words to say to him. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So that's why I want us to remember. Out of the mouth, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat his fruit. So if you're filled up on negativity, if you're filled up on the world, if you're filled up on things of the world, out of you is going to flow things of the world. If you're not filled up on faith... Faith won't flow out. You're going to have a hard time seeing how God can get you out of a situation when you're not filled up on, on God. So he says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. A good man brings good things out, um, out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty, some translations say idle word they have ever spoken. For your words will be, oh, for by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. Our words matter. So we speak life. But you can't just speak life. That has to flow from somewhere, right? Because speak life is... It, it's, a good, it's a good thing to speak life. Oh, God's going to show up. God's going to do that. But you can't genuinely say that if you're not filled up on that type of thinking. So let's keep going. James, Jesus' little brother, chapter, chapter 3, 1 through 12, um, he talks about the tongue. And he says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Phil, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm sorry. Stop it. Stop it. I shouldn't have said that. Your family's here. I should have waited till next week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop it. I love you. That's why I pick on you. You're like a great grandfather to me. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right here. <laughs> For you should be. Um, um, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Praise the Lord. That's the truth. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. What? If you can control your tongue, 
Every wife wishes her husband can control their tongue. And every husband agrees with that. So, (laughs) for we can make a large horse go wherever we want it by the means of a small bit. And a small rudder makes a makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set the whole, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessings and curses are, are come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produces figs? No. You cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. He's saying what we say matters and how we say matters, and we should not be cursing one moment and turning around and blessing the next. It needs to be one or the other. Hence why the Holy Spirit gives us self-control. So all that is about the words we speak. The tongue is a powerful thing. We've heard speak life our whole life, and I'm going to show you what speak life looks like in Mark chapter 5. This is a beautiful narrative. It's called a Markin sandwich because it's a miracle within a miracle. It's a narrative within a narrative. There's a lot of stuff going on because it, it starts with Jairus and it ends with Jairus, but in between there's some beautiful meat there, and so we're going to look at it. So we jump into this section of Scripture And Jesus just gets off the boat. He's been all over. The first couple chapters of Mark, he's jumping in a boat, common storms, casting out demons, going back and forth, zipping back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. And then this is what happened. Jesus got into a boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where the large crowd, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. That's so important, guys. The Bible says um, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he'll lift you up in due time. There's something about, there, there's going to be a lot of people gathering around Jesus in this narrative, and they're all touching. Even the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? And yet, there's only two people that got something out of Jesus, both of which fell at his feet. They humble themselves before the Lord. But Jairus, he makes his declaration. He falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, please come and lay your hands. He says, my little girl is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. It wasn't up for debate. Jesus just went. Why? Because Jesus loves. 
He wants to go to the place where you're most hurt. Some of us need to hear that. Some of us think that God doesn't want to deal with our hurts, our mess, our ickiness. But no, Jesus went with Jairus because he wants to get into that to bring healing. And on the way, this big old crowd was just smushing on him. Some translations say he was crushing him. And the disciples are right around them, kind of acting like bodyguards, keeping people away. And on the way, this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, that means she couldn't stop bleeding. For 12 years, it says she went to all the doctors. It cost her everything she had. Nothing worked. She was at her last. She was on her last straw. Nothing worked. But she said to herself, she declared to herself, she spoke to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so she pushes her way through the crowd. Ironically, if she would have touched Jesus because she's bleeding, she would have made him unclean. She made all these people unclean, but she's like, I got to get to Jesus. According to their custom, she thought she was going to make Jesus unclean, but she had to get to Jesus. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she pushed through the crowd, got to him, and just touched the hem, just the edge. And it says, immediately. Everyone would say, immediately. Immediately. She felt her body was healed. And immediately... Jesus felt power leave him. Jesus felt power leave him. And we get this famous narrative. You guys have heard it. Who touched me? He wasn't talking about physical touching. Somebody's faith touched his power. All these other people were touching Jesus. And even the disciples were like, what do you mean? Everyone's touching you, Jesus. This is a large crowd. They're crushing us. But he said, I felt power. Leave me. And the woman said she was frightened and she confessed it was me. And he turned around and said, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And while he's talking, you know, this is pretty urgent. Think about this. Jesus stops in the middle because he felt such a power leave his body. And Jairus is walking with Jesus. He, like, as a dad, you don't want him to stop. <laughs> you want him to get back to your little girl. And, and the worst case scenario, Jairus, his story went from bad to worse. While they were talking, someone walked up and said, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jesus, overhearing that conversation, turned and looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid, just have faith. And he walks up to the house, and they already have professional mourners there. They probably had them ready to go. And back in the day, they would hire people. The higher status you had in society, the more mourners you would have. You would pay people to come in, play flutes, and wail, and cry. And if you had a lot, that means you were pretty awesome and loaded. And so um, they, they had mourners. And Jesus walks in and says, what are you guys doing? The little girl's not dead. She's asleep making a declaration. Power in life is 
power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then what did they do? They laughed and scoffed at him. And he said, get out. All of you, get out. Can they have faith? So he, what he did, he only took Peter and John and James and the parents, and he walked into this little girl's room where she was dead, but Jesus said she was sleeping. He said, Talitha Combe, little girl, get up. She popped up out of bed. And then he said, get her a sandwich. She's hungry. That's what she really does say that. Jesus gave them, um, he said, um, in verse 43, Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. So what we have here is an illustration of what it means to speak life. Because you can't just speak life without something in you. It flows from somewhere. Out of a good heart flows good things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to talk to you today. I have 30 points. And no, I I, I want to get through these fast. But the first thought I want to give you is speaking life comes from a heart of faith. Speaking life comes from a heart of faith. What both of these people have in common is the fact they both had horrible situations that they were facing that only God could take care of and handle. And another thing they had in common is they both put their faith in Jesus. Both of them put their faith in Jesus. Horrible situation This woman spent all of her money, had nowhere else to go. We don't know this, but probably homeless. Society back then, when you didn't have a husband, you're continually unclean, it was not kind to you, to Jewish law, especially if you're a woman. On her last straw, nothing left. This father, I I can't even imagine, don't even want to try to imagine what he was feeling as he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, my daughter is dying, but if you lay your hands on her, she will be well. Horrible situations put their faith in Jesus. They believed him that he could change their life and circumstances without ever meeting him. Some of us wait for proof before we put our faith in stuff. Neither of these people ever met Jesus, but yet they put their faith in this. I'm going I'm I'm to give you one verse out of John chapter 20, verse 29. He's talking to Doubting Thomas, because Doubting Thomas felt the hands and feet of Jesus, the side of Jesus, and he says, my Lord, my God, oh my goodness, it's you, Jesus. And he believed because he felt But Jesus said in verse 29, he says, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. These people believed Jesus could move in their circumstance, move in their issue without ever meeting him. Why? Because they heard testimonies. So often what we do with with testimonies, I, I, I can't say this for you. 
what I often do with testimonies, uh, and it has a reverse effect. And I'm, um, I'll hear a testimony, and I'm like, that's awesome. Praise God. And I believe it, that God can do that for other people. But so often, we don't believe that God can do it for us. But the whole point of a testimony, the word testify in the Old Testament means do it again with the same power and authority. So when you hear a testimony, the whole point is to build your faith so you could be like Jairus and this woman to say, okay, God, you did it before. You, you raised that person. You healed that person. Do it again in me. If you could do it in them, you could do it in me. If you could do it in them, if you could do it for them, you could do it for me. Issues we face often reveal what's in our heart. So, and, and the issues we face, face present options. We can double down and look at Jesus in the midst of our issue and believe and know in our heart he is working it for good or we can look at the issue. Those are our options as believers. We can look at our issue or we can look at Jesus. We can look at our issue or we can have faith in Jesus. So what does this have to do with speaking life? Well, speaking life comes from a heart of faith. It flows out of a heart of faith. The, the next thing I want to hit you guys with is speaking life starts with thinking life in all situations. Jairus and this woman thought, a, thought first a faith-filled thought. Before they said anything, before they did anything, they thought. Jairus, he had to think. If I get to Jesus and tell him, he'll heal my daughter. Be, we're, we're, I mean, like, words come out of a place of thought, right? You don't just say, well, actually, we're husbands, we often do say things without thinking. But Jairus thought, Jesus could heal my daughter. It compelled him to go to Jesus and fall at his feet and beg Jesus and plead with Jesus, please, my daughter's dying, please. It came from a thought. This woman declared to herself, you want to speak life? Do what this woman and Jairus did. Declare it before you speak it. She said, if, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. She spoke life to herself before she acted on it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This woman, this hit me so hard this week. This woman was declaring to herself before anything happened. She was priming her mind with expectation of what God is going to do. She didn't say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I might be healed. She didn't say, if I could just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, it could be like something else. It might work. No, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Speaking life starts with thinking life in all circumstances. She spent it all. She was on her last leg. She could have thought this won't work, but instead she primed the, the pump of her heart and she started thinking life. She started thinking faith-filled thoughts. God is going to move. God is going to show up. Long before it manifested, 
She was telling herself, this is going to happen. It flowed from a place of faith. She thought life before she spoke life. Jairus thought life before he spoke life. She, he, Jairus didn't say, Jesus, if you, you lay your hands on my daughter, she might get well. She said, he said, no, if you lay your hands on my daughter, she will get better. So... The next thought I want to hit you with, I'm, I told you I'm going, to go, I'm going to go real fast through these. Thinking life will change your if. Because before we can speak life, we've got to think life. And it starts in our heart. Out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to, re- in fact, what does Romans 12 say? Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by changing the way you. We change the way we think. We think life. We think in faith. It will change your if. What if I told you what if works both ways? We often use it. The enemy uses if for fear so much. This woman went to the doctor for 12 years and lost everything. It would be easy for her to think, what if this is no different? What if I just waste everybody's time? What if I just make the whole crowd unclean? What if? It would be easy to think that. What does it look like for us? What if I get prayed for again and nothing happens? What if I step out and pray for them and nothing happens? What if God doesn't show up? What if they never speak to me again or think I'm crazy for sharing the gospel? What if I don't make it through this season? What if it's too much for me to bear? Can't do it. Or we can let faith infiltrate our thinking and think life and let it change our if. This woman's if was this. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. What does it look like for us? If I get prayed for, God will heal me. I'm just going to believe it. No reason to doubt his goodness. If I step out and pray for them, God is going to show up. If I give, God will bless. If I trust God, I'm going to make it through this season. Ifs work both ways. Thinking life will change your hypotheticals. Because what if works both ways. Next time the enemy comes at you with a what if, what if God doesn't show up? What if God... What, what, what if you fail miserably? Step back and say, what if God does show up? What if this is going to be a miracle from the living God? What if it's worked both ways? One grows your faith, one kills your faith. But thinking life will grow your faith because it flows from a place of faith. Thinking life will change your identity. Thinking life will change your identity. This woman 
went from being identified as the woman with the issue of blood. That was, in, in society, that's the woman with the issue of blood. Part the waters. Don't touch her. You'll become unclean. You'll have, you have to bathe yourself before the end of the day, and you'll be, I mean, like, they, they had so many stupid rules. Um, but she thought, if, she had a, a, she had a thought of life, a thought of faith that, that, that was in her. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she, she pushed through the crowd to get to the feet of Jesus. And she touched the hem of his garment. And it changed her identity. What do you mean? Jesus turned around and said, daughter. He didn't say woman with the issue of blood. That's what society wanted to call her. But when we put our faith in Jesus, it changes our identity. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. I don't know if you've ever thought about this particular section of scripture. I've been thinking about it all week. And this is the only miracle that Jesus ever did unintentionally. That's how powerful faith is. A faith-filled thought, a life-filled thought that manifested in action. It was so powerful that Jesus was concentrated on Jairus' daughter and this woman touches the hem of his garment. He felt like it was reflex. God can't help but respond to faith. When we put our faith in him, he can't help it. it thinking life will change your identity. Thinking life will... will will almost make God show up in your circumstance because he can't help it, because God loves faith. How many times throughout the scripture, over 30, he says, your faith, your faith, your faith. This time, he didn't have a conversation ahead of time. A lot of times, people will walk up and say, Jesus, son of David, heal me or whatever. He says, your faith has made you well. Or, or they, would, they would get up and he would say, your faith has made you well. But here, this woman didn't even talk to him. She just thought to herself, thinking life. I'm going to declare this in my mind before it manifests physically. I'm going to think a faith-filled life thought, and it's going to change my circumstance. It compelled her to action. She touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus healed her unintentionally. That's how powerful faith is. And not on, on top of that, she got healed. Her identity changed. She went from being an outcast to a daughter. Because when we put our faith in Jesus, it puts us in the right category. I don't care what you think of yourself. This woman was unclean for 12 years. She probably thought that way about herself. But when you put your faith in Jesus, he puts you in the right category. He says son. He says daughter. He changes your identity, and it doesn't matter what you think about yourself because it's his opinion. He's the one that created you. He's the one that formed you. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that bought you. It's his opinion that matters, and he says son and daughter. Thinking life will counter and calm Fear. Thinking life will counter and calm fear. Jairus got horrible news in the midst of his faith. How many of you guys have ever been there? 
You, you have faith that God's going to show up and then things get worse. Like, what is this, God? Where are you? I'm praying and my faith is in you and, and I believe in God's moving. You could see him moving like Jairus. Jesus, Jesus, my daughter's dying. If you lay your hands on her, she will be well. Please come and lay your hands on her. And Jesus is like, let's go. And then you see God moving. He literally saw God move in the circumstance, move towards the circumstance, and it got worse. Your daughter's not sick anymore. Praise God, she's dead. What? Imagine the fear and the emotion that's boiling up. He was like, I'm so close. My house is right around the corner. Jesus was almost there. This can't be. And let me tell you, Jesus sees that, and he's willing to speak into it. He turns and looks straight at him, and he says, he says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Someone needs to hear that today. You feel like, God, God things are getting worse, but my faith is in you. I'm standing on your promises. Lord, I'm declaring your goodness. I'm speaking faith. I'm believing faith, and it just keeps getting worse. I'm here to tell you today, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Because God can still show up in worse circumstances. He can still show up in the most horrible of circumstances. That's where he does his best work. How much more glory did God get? Healing a sick person or raising a dead person? God is working. Even after Jairus found out his daughter was dead, Jesus was still moving in his circumstance. Still went with him to the pit of his hurt and his fear. Walked right in the middle of it. And said, little girl, get up. But it started with this declaration from Jesus. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Thinking life. Jesus had to realign Jairus' thought life in that moment because he knew when he heard that, his soul was crushed. He knew it. And he realigned that thought to say, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Some of us need Jesus to realign our thought life because we've, I'm going through it. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Jairus still had to walk with Jesus knowing his daughter was dead. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Jesus didn't tell him. And no, that's pretty parkour for God. He doesn't tell you what he's going to do. Just know that he's going to do something for your good and his glory. The last thing I want to hit you with real quick. Thinking life will manifest in our life by acting on it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of a good heart flows good things. It's not just speaking life. 
It's what's in us. When we start thinking life, it manifests in our speech. It manifests in our life. It manifests by how we treat people. It manifests by what we do in circumstance. It manifests by how we handle trial and tribulation. It manifests. When you have genuine faith in Jesus, that he will do and be who he says he is, it will manifest in our life. It just will. You're going to look at situations completely different. You're going to handle situations, horrible situations, completely different. Some of us today need to release a faith-filled declaration from a faith-filled heart placed in Jesus over some circumstances that we are facing. We might not have an issue of blood, but we all have issues. And we need to declare in faith some things. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And some of us have been declaring some bad things over us. You know, when we speak, it's like prophecy. And we can declare life or we can declare death. But when you put your faith in Jesus, it should change the way you declare because even an impossible situation is possible. When you put your faith in Jesus, it should change the way you think because God does impossible. You might have lost loved ones that you're like, I don't know, God, how they're going to get saved the same way you did through faith in Jesus. God, I don't know how we're going to make it through this season. I need this much money. What we declare, God, you're Jireh. I'm not Jireh, you're Jireh. That means provider. That's a covenant name God gave himself. He'll provide. God, I'm, my body needs healing. <laughs> I've gone to doctor after doctor and they keep giving me the same report. Well, that's what the world's declaring over you. What is God's? I'm Jehovah Rapha. By my stripes, you're healed. So, I'm, so what do we declare? God, you're Jehovah Rapha, my healer. By your stripes, I'm healed. It might not have manifested yet, but it will. I'm going to declare in faith until it happens. I'm going to speak life over the situation until it happens. I'm going to believe that God is going to move in my life until it happens. I'm not going to let the world dictate my declaration. Some of us need to tell ourselves, don't be afraid, just have faith. It really is that simple. It is not faith in anything. It's faith in Jesus. Jairus and this daughter of God put their faith in Jesus. And God moved. And I can't help but think today as we realign, let let God realign our thinking and we start making declarations in faith, things are going to change. 
And I, know I, I declare over this church all the time, Lord, I thank you that every seat will be filled. I thank you that we will have two services and people that are far from you will become sons and daughters of God. I declare that before I see it because I know it's happening. God's working and he's moving and he's growing. I declare that. Because God wants to send revival to his church. God wants to move in your situation. I have a niece that's far from Jesus. I declare, Lord, I thank you that she will come into a relationship with you. Before I see it, you're breaking down walls, even now. She has such a hard heart to the things of God. But God knows how to break down walls. I declare it before I see it. Well, this sounds like name it, claim it. It's not. It's faith in Jesus that he's going to move. If you walk down to the Buick dealership and you lay your hands on a vehicle, I don't know whether he's going to move in that. But I do know this. When you put your faith in Jesus, he shows up. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's time for the church to speak faith-filled things. Despite what the news is saying, despite what, what work is saying, despite what family is saying, you can hear those things. I'm not saying ignore the bad. I'm saying that in spite of that, you say, no, God is greater. God is greater. God is greater. He's going to move. He's going to move in my children's life. He's going to move in this nation. He's going to move. He's sending a move of God. I'm declaring it in faith. What I want to do today is I want to make some declarations with you. And the first declaration we're going to make is we're going to take communion. And as we take communion, we're going to take and make some declarations. Because what the body and the blood represent what the body and the blood represent is all the freedom and the healing that God can provide. So let's stand. The communion cups are right up here. It's self-serve. You can grab one. And um, grab one, please. And we're going to make some declarations. your styrofoam wafer. This little thing represents the body of Christ that was beaten, that was torn to pieces, and not one bone was broken because of prophecy <laughs> despite what would have normally crushed other men 
Jesus was beaten beyond death and yet he lived so he could die on a cross. And because he was beaten, the Bible says in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our sin was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Those are all big church, big churchy words. We could do a, what does this really mean on every one of those. But he was wounded to our transgressions. Transgressions are sins that we don't know we do. They're, they're things that we do unintentionally. Maybe you, you, you told someone something and it ended up being a lie. Or it's just sins you don't know you commit. He was he was. Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities, that's a little more vile. Those are the sins that you commit and you know it's sin while you're committing it. God didn't leave anything unchecked or undotted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin. All of it whether you know you've done it or not, was upon him. And by his stripes, this beating that he took on the cross, we are healed. And then Peter turns around in 1 Peter, he says, by his stripes, we were healed. It's done. So what we're gonna declare today, there's some people that need healing today. Some of it's physical healing, some of it's emotional healing, some of it's drama from your past, but let me tell you, God is a healer. So we're going to thank the Lord for his healing. And I, I can't help but think as we pray together, we're going to say, Lord, I thank you that your body heals my body. That's the declaration that Jesus, I thank you that you heal me. Let's just say that together. Jesus, I thank you that you heal me. Jesus, we thank you right now for your body that was beaten. Let's just you pr pray, pray on your own. We're gonna. Pr I'm praying, and you pray. Let's just thank him, Jesus. I thank you that that your body was beaten for me, that we can be healed. Lord, I pray right now for every person that's suffering. Lord, either from a physical affliction, infirmity, or a mental affliction, or, or an emotional affliction. Lord, we just rebuke that. And Lord, we stand on your word and we declare that we are healed in the power of Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. We stand on it and we declare it because your word is true. No word from you will ever fail. Lord Jesus, no word from you will ever return to you without accomplishing what you intended. Lord, I thank you that your word is true and we can stand on it and we can declare life, we can speak life. And Lord, even now, Lord, as we take this, I believe that people are gonna get healed. Lord, the healing's gonna start manifesting, that uh, anxiety's gonna be relieved, that depression is gonna go away, that physical healing's gonna show up in their bodies. Let's take the bread. What we have here is a small cup of grape juice. And what it represents is the blood of Jesus that was shed. This is the big churchy word, since we're in a series called, what does that mean? I'm gonna say it, propitiation. 
That means atoning sacrifice. This is what covers the cost of your sin. You couldn't cover it. If you could live a million years, you could spend all eternity and you can never cover the cost of your sin. But Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Only God can take something red and wash us white as snow and make us justified and make us holy and make us right before him. Only God. So this is the declaration we're gonna make together because this sets us free. The blood of Jesus sets us free from the power of hell, the power of death, and the grave. It sets us free. When we die, we go to heaven when we put our faith in Jesus. Death is just a pit stop because God died so that we could have eternity. He didn't save us for this world. He saved us for eternity. So let's declare this together. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Jesus, your blood sets me free. Jesus, your blood sets me free. Lord Jesus, I thank you that, Lord, your blood sets us free from every affliction, from every demonic attack, from every sin. Lord, we are no longer guilty of our sin because you took our guilt. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what your blood did. Lord, it paid the cost. It, it, it was more than enough. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you show up. Lord, those who are carrying things, those who have issues, Lord, spiritual things that they need to lay down, I pray, Lord, that you set them free. Lord Jesus, Lord, your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord Jesus, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are our freedom. You are our hope. You are more than enough. And that your blood sets us free from sin, death, and the grave. Now let's take the blood together. And now what I want to do, because when you think about what worship is through song. Worship is a declaration. Worship is a declaration. Let's declare together the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's worship. Because communion is not a funeral. It's a celebration. We remember and we declare what Jesus did for us because we have a better future. We have hope. We can speak life. We can declare life. And we can live life because of Jesus. Now let's worship him.